You have no idea, do you? Or did you choose not to know? Your husband stole $2 million from me. This is about my life. This is about my life. And because it's about my life, it now becomes about yours. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Substandard, sponsored by Warby Parker. I'm Victor Mattis, along with Study Bunch and Jonathan V. Lass. I'd like to remind you The Substandard is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just look on our podcast and search for Substandard. You will easily find us. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave a review. Gentlemen, how are we? JVL, have you recovered from that party? No. <laughs> well... Tell our listeners uh, what happened over the weekend. This was really something magical, wasn't it? So, Victorino, you and I have known each other for nearly half of our natural lives. Yes, almost. Mm, yes, yes. How That's much right. of how, how about twenty? How much, how much of your almost unnatural 20. lives? <laughs> Good question, Sonny. Yes, sir. We've known each other for all of our yeah. cosmic lives, That's right. mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. How many parties have I thrown? In that time. <laughs> uh, let's see. I met you in 97, and now it's 27, 2018. So it's 21 years or so that mm, I've known you. Yes. Uh, I'd say one. How many parties have I attended <laughs> in that time? Uh, of your own volition? Uh, none. I'd say none. Uh, some, I think you felt compelled. I would see you at parties where you felt as company man to show up to a party at some place. Uh, and early on, we would just go to some places to see what was going on. I know you didn't like going to the parties. I remember that. Uh, and of your own volition, w- would you one, say two. that the number of total, the total number of parties I have attended while while being your friend, your mm-hmm. bosom friend, yeah, is bosom buddy, is greater or less than fifteen? <laughs> less than, okay. less than, less than fifteen. In fact, I'd say. The number of uh, times you've been to a party are probably the number of times I've been to a party in uh, a week. So, so over the weekend, yes, I threw a party for the substandard expanded universe. Now, how did this come about? Okay, I didn't actually throw the party. Yeah, did my, you throw the party? <laughs> my wife. Let's, let's did. get into the details here. So, my lovely wife decided that we were going to have a party. Now, I believe that the party was simply an excuse to redo our family room. Hmm. Ah. Because in somehow in preparation for the party, we repainted and refurnished the entire family room. Hmm. Now, wait, how wait, these two wait, things wait, wait, were connected, wait, wait, wait. I don't question. quite know. Wow. Yes. You actually painted a whole room in preparation for the party. We, we paid professional painters to paint an entire room in preparation for the party, yes. Okay. Seems like overkill, but all right. And got new furniture. New and, furniture? Oh, yeah. No, no. When I say redo, I mean what? like redid the room. Wow. Should have put up some subway tile. If I've if I've learned anything from watching <laughs> hours and hours of HGTV over the last three weeks. So you know weeks. that giant two-story wall? Subway tile? Yeah. That giant two-story wall in, in my family uh-huh. room, which you were at at the party? That would have been a lot of tile. It would have been a lot of tile. That's like $3,000 worth of tile right there. Uh, anyway, uh, for, so for me, we, parties, I always think of it as a good excuse just to clean the house, so, let alone renovating. My goodness. So we had 
30, 35 people yeah. there. It was, so there were a lot of people there. there. Were a lot of people yeah. there. Uh, we had a lot of babies there. A lot, yes, there were, there were a lot great. of kids. We had a little, a we, little miniature bunch. Little mini yeah. bunch. Yeah. Little mini bunch. We have so many young listeners to the who show who spit up on me when I burped uh, him. Yep, which <laughs> accurate. Is one of my superpowers. Accurate. I am an astonishingly good burper mm-hmm. of infants. This is this is, has been true my entire parenting life. You hand me an infant who has just <clears throat> sucked down a bunch of milk or formula, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I will get that kid to burp. You that mm-hmm. you should definitely be in the Mystery Men sequel. Basically. That's your power. The yes, burper. Yeah, yeah. And uh, He's called the burper, and then you expect him to come in and burp really loud, but he grabs you and, and burps you. For, and you can't do anything else. You can't else. do anything you about it. Completely debilitated. So here's here's the thing, and then I want to ask you boys about your experience. What yeah, was your experiential yeah, sure. vector at this party? But I would say I had a good time. Whoa. Really? You did? No, I was a wreck all day. You look well, anxiety I was, first, I was the first yeah. one there because I'm always the first one anywhere. I saw your car and that's how we knew which house you were on. The, we went down <laughs> Always that right lane. and always first. Always first. Uh, and I would say that when we got there, you looked uh, pale, like death. <laughs> yes. Like I thought you were. I thought you were going to have a panic attack. Like you possibly, have more color now or, than you did. I remember. Well, I hadn't yet taken my Xanax. Ah, because you needed I your had to, I had to. I had to take a little edge off, a little chemical helper to get me through the party. Can but you mix? Can you mix Xanax and Shufferhuffer? Is that safe? <laughs> you're not yes. So- you, you're not supposed to mix it with alcohol. So supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> with with alcohol. <laughs> anyway, I had a great time. I, I would like to know how uh, how were you guys? Did you enjoy it? What was the what was your party like? It was very nice, uh, and it was it was uh, kind of surprising to see all these people who came to a party that is nominally about our podcast. And, and I realized about halfway through the party that it's actually not about our podcast at all. It's about this like little community of friendship that they've created and that made me feel good about myself because i've created yes. something with you guys mm-hmm. that has created like a a realm of kinship for a complete group of strangers if we were uh wondering about who's going to the oh. good place this would be like plus 500 points oh easy. like all of this happiness we've it. created yeah for all of these other people who like again they're they're into their own thing they don't even really need the substance they don't know anymore. if we ended they already have their own podcast yeah. they don't need us so they might not even be listening anymore I'm uh it made me it made me glad like mm-hmm. one of you know you know that shot at the end of raising Arizona where uh <laughs> Nick, vi- Nick Cage, future? Nick Cage sees like all of his family and the the grandkids and the great grandkids. <laughs> That's what I felt like watching the substandard. And how uh, appropriate before Thanksgiving because it looked like yeah. a Thanksgiving dinner. Victorina, how about you? I would say you were enormously popular at this party. Aww. People after you guys left, every talked about how much they love Vic. Aww. And in fact, I believe I took a little informal survey. They liked you best of the three of us. Oh yeah. <laughs> They well, would have elected you can president. We, can we just? Can we just? Not for, that I do that. I don't Vic, aim to please. Vic, you, Vic was totally <laughs> working the room to make sure he had enough. Votes. He was whipping the vote. Whipping Vic, the votes. Yeah. If I, I was gonna, if I can just interrupt briefly, please. Uh, it, it is there. Jonathan and I, I would say, are uh, friendly enough to people we know, but are somewhat reserved around people we don't know. Mm-hmm. And this is not mm. this is not a crippling affliction that Vic shares. <laughs> so it is not surprising to anyone involved that Vic is the most popular. I like of the, the t- I like to push the, the envelope house. every now and then. I think I'm probably going to say something that's going to repel one of the guests. But as long as the majority of guests find the material funny, even if it's not the majority, do it it's still working. Voice yeah, you no, you can get away with anything. I I I made a joke using your. Uh, 
point. What is that microphone you had? That yellow. The Moana microphone. Oh, it was a Moana microphone. Oh, that makes it even more special. Where I thought it was something else. Anyway, uh, that was it. Was great to meet everybody. It reminded me in a weird way. You missed that, Sonny? Did you? I must that? have. I must have been. Gone I thought it by was for point. massage. I was here. I thought it was like oh, a sharper image see. massage. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I was the first one there, and the first one gone. It was, yeah, you it, left. Uh, well, yeah, you had a three week old. Yeah, we got a three week old. We were all just yeah, happy you, you made a baby. Um, it was great. It reminded me of meeting all the nice folks and only the nice folks at uh, like a weekly standard cruise, you know, where you have all these sort of like-minded people that you don't actually know, but they kind of know you um, through, you know, in the in the standards case, the you know, the readings, obviously much younger demographic than the, the standard cruisers. Uh, you were literally the oldest person at this party. Oh, no, don't say that. that One, no, no. You no, are literally no, the oldest no, person there. No, I guarantee there. you that is not the case. My wife is older than me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> By a couple weeks. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you guys not that old, anyone ever thinks that. You guys were the, the old, old people. Folks. That's yes. so crazy. I, Kate, really... I know a great uh, diverse divorce attorney <laughs> if, you, if you need to. I'm thinking really hard about this. Really? The old. 100%. You know, this is, this is happening more and more where, you know, I'll tell. I found a guy in our uh, office. I'm looking at him right through the window right now, actually, uh, at the Free Beacon office, Todd Shepard, who's actually a year older than me. And I pointed this out to him, and he was so upset. To hear that because he was pretty certain that I was older than every, and I mentioned to other people in the office, "Hey, I'm not the oldest person here, not did you, counting Bill did, Gertz." Did you go around telling everyone? I did. I did, and you know what they said? They would be like, "Like Liz Harrington, be like, really? Thanks, are you sure? So like, really? I can't believe that. Like, what are you saying?" So anyway, it was so nice, nice to meet these uh, these these folks uh, at the party, and it is funny, and I've I've heard this before. You, you hear this a lot um, now. I mean, we've been doing this is our hundredth main episode. Uh, 100 episodes. episodes. Ah. Clip show. Clip show. We got to do the clip show for next week. And uh, they'll say, oh, I feel like I know you. You know, they know all about you. I remember when I went out when I was out in Rome and I saw uh, Kishore Jayabong. He's like, I know all about you and your Jersey upbringing, the whole story. And the same thing here. And I kind of feel like I know them and I feel like we've met them before. But of course, um, most of them we haven't. And it's just because of social media and like on Facebook pictures, family, stuff like that. And so you see their faces. I've seen Steve Phillippe's face before and obviously, and I feel like I know Flag Taylor for a long time, but you know, in terms of actually meeting them, this was a first. And so that was, that was a really nice thing. Well, and now they'll know me even better since I'm sure they've planted cameras all through my house. <laughs> so it's oh, yeah. great. Uh, <laughs> no, I would say, you know, it surprised me. Yeah. So of this, you know, several dozen people, every single one of the normal. Yeah, yeah, I no, figured no, like no, we'd no. have one crazy person. No, no. and no, they're they all totally they normal. Are, they're, 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 yeah, they're great. It normal, great. normal jobs, smarter, I'm sure than than than. Yeah, me, no, they're all smart, you know? normal people yeah. who just happen to, for some be dumb into. reason, like our show. Yeah, yeah. it was great. And the, but they I came really from, and they came from everywhere. They came from, I, I, I was Texas, trying, Indiana, Florida, Florida yeah. Atlanta, Finland. <laughs> Sweden. No, Sweden. Finland. Upper I, northern I he's Sweden. Greenland. Uh, I believe he's Denmark. from Greenland. It's Denmark. I asked, I asked Thomas Lassie, I said, I said so are you, how far north up in Sweden? I said, uh, like in Lapland? And he goes, well, it depends. There's three different Laplands, actually. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> so. it was, uh, Vic is trying to figure out which one to conquer first. We liked it so much that I think we're going to do it again. Uh, SwampCon 2019. SwampCon 2019. Uh, also, I just want to say thank you to all of the members of the Substandard Expanded Universe who chipped in for a very nice gift card oh. for uh, my family and I. I'm going to buy so many John Carpenter Blu-rays. Before we move perfect on. Perfect for the baby. <laughs> that's that's, that's perfect money is fungible. Can, you know. can, before we move on, can I... Oh, the, the, sure. the last bit going. of mop-up from the party. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. 
there were some presents for you boys. Uh-oh. What? I already got a present. Yeah, I already so got the something. first presents are from Shannon and I. These are your Thanksgiving what? presents. Oh. Oh, and we what? Got Thanksgiving guys. presents? Thanksgiving presents You're aren't a thing. You're always giving thanks presents. I was going to actually get you something for Christmas oh now, but God. no more. <laughs> we got you I guys got oh, Lego minifig keychains. I got a... I got Sonny, Director Krennic. Yeah. The real oh, hero. That's good. Look at He's got a cape. He's got a cape and everything. Uh, and Vic, I got you Belle. I see that. And she's and she's the skinny, the, the hot Lego, not the not the <laughs> fat Lego. Is there a fat Lego? Yeah, belt? well, the normal Lego. And oh, these yeah. are the, so, like, what are they called? Like... Friends? Lego friends? Lego princesses. Oh, oh the okay. Disney but the body type is not the traditional no, you Lego. You want to talk about the body of the Lego? The, That's the, on you. <laughs> Do you like you. the so Lego I, body I love thing? it. It's, it's wonderful. She's adorable. Like a brick. <laughs> other house. is from a anonymous substandard fan. And this is a cross-podcast present. I can see that. It is a mug. Uh huh. For the Washington Free Beacon podcast, hashtag the Liz and Natalie show. Oh my goodness! So this is for you boys to use to troll your coworkers. Okay. Oh my gosh! Somehow, when yeah. you tape write and writer, when you mere hours, yeah, I'll tape it. I'll tape drive them yeah. crazy. That's really nice. Listen. Liz and Natalie show because that's really what it is. It's called. People are so. Whenever I go on, if I have to sub uh, sub in for for Liz Harrington, and I open up with my voice, "Hello and welcome to another edition of Right and Right," I could tell there's immediately just lots of clicks, clicks clicks off. Lots of dudes just, or I have to do a pop culture update. Lots of lots of dudes. It's very upset. Very, and I hear it on Twitter, so uh, they let me know how so that's, you know. But that's wonderful. I give thanks for you, you guys. Oh, that is thanks. No. That is thanks. And I also want to thank... But the uh, mug's not from me. The mug is, again, from an anonymous really substandard anonymous fan. Anonymous substandard fan. Uh, thank you to whoever that is. And I would also like to uh, thank Tom Abella uh, for... Uh, and he was there with his lovely family. Uh, and um, uh, he gave me a nice uh, mug of his homemade eggnog based on a Michael Ruhlman recipe. Michael Ruhlman is the best. Uh, I love him, and I can't wait to try that. Uh, as you know, I love that sort of stuff. How long does eggnog keep? Well, apparently he's been aging it for like a year or more. And apparently that's okay because it's so boozed up. Uh, and I'm going to try it and because uh, I love that stuff. I love Irish cream. I had Mike Warren's Irish cream. It's delicious. What? Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and you know what else? I got, I got a prop here too. Leftover beaver nuggets. I don't know it. <laughs> oh, you brought your beaver nug. What I are... didn't. I think these were a, a joke gift. They're from Texas, and they were a joke gift to either Flag or to um, to Thomas to uh, or Steve Philippi or I, mean, I yes, think they were or, or, or to Thomas. Anyway, Do I got, know what beaver nuggets are. No, they're like corn pops, but they're corn pops that are proprietary foodstuff of some Texas gas station chain. Lovely. <laughs> I I, I want to put <laughs> them in a bowl with milk. It'd be like. You know, like cereal. Uh, okay. I mean, you saw his Texas Fair report. I, you, there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing in that bag that can hurt Vic <laughs> Mattis. No, I'm impervious. My body's impervious to that. Ever since I had fried butter, Sonny, how are you doing otherwise? Uh, I'm great. Uh, okay. You know, great. It's great. Uh, I'm at I'm at the point of uh, uh, new new again fatherhood where I'm like flipping through the channels at two in the morning. And uh, and and I'm sitting there saying to myself, you know, I've got a lot yes. of movies that I need to watch because I'm a member. I of remember. A, this. I'm, a, I'm a very important film critic, as you know. And I'm a member of, of the Washington Area Film Critics Association. And this is the time of year when we get lots of screeners. We get lots yeah. of movies that we're supposed to watch and stuff we've missed and we need to catch up on to 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 decide who uh, has the best movie. 
this is a very it's in your power. serious with it's a serious power that I have with great power. Um, and I find myself uh, turning on the TV with the intent of turning on one of these screeners and instead turning on uh, the guide channel or you know turning on the yeah. guide, the Comcast guide and being like, oh, public enemies is on. Oh, that's I'll a watch. Good one. I'll watch this for half an hour and then watch it for like two hours and pass out on the couch. That's, nice. That's that's basically what my days and what nights look like. What screeners have you watched recently? Um, I and watched. Are they in high def? Are they Blu-ray screeners? No, we only get the well. So there there are two types of screeners that we get. That we get links, and the links are often in high def. The links are like streaming, um, and they often stream. Click on a link on your television. So I, I have a I have a cord that runs so I have I have a uh, a Mac that has a lightning okay. um, outlet with an HDMI. So it's lightning oh, wow. to HDMI. So anyway, I like I just plug it I I plug my computer into the to the TV and watch it. Understood. Um, and those are often in HD and they're usually they're actually like the the technology has come very far on this. It used to be when we would get like a a group of links that we would never watch any of them because the movies would always crap out halfway through. But the technology has matured a bit and we are we are now able to like fully fully watch HD streaming uh, video, which is nice. So anything good? <sighs> no. Oh, really? really. Oh. I, and we also get DVDs and I have I've, I've watched a couple of the DVDs, uh, one one of which is uh, Can You Forgive Me, which is the Melissa McCarthy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. About yeah, the yeah, yeah, the yeah. author yes. who was forging uh, handwritten notes from yes. famous authors like Dorothy Parker. And Is this her Oscar Noel nomination moment? She's well, she's trying. Been she's been nominated before. She was nominated for Bridesmaids, I think. Um, uh, but she is definitely has one nomination. Uh, anyway, the uh, but it it was it was actually quite good. It was quite good and quite touching. Um, oh, I, I quite okay. I quite enjoyed it. Uh, and it's, in this, the it's it's the perfect sort of role for her, where it's like she's caustic and mean but it's not you think she's just being herself yeah but it's not but it's not like it's not there's not a lot of like physical body humor there's not she's not like have to do crapping that. in a sink or something like that that's, she's not that, she's not that making, happened she's not making that queef happened. jokes that okay again that was the second time it's been mentioned on this uh, show uh i don't even know what that is uh i wanted to just go back to uh the, the party and the different conversation you have you know all these little conversations you're having to get when you get to know all these all these nice people and and I'm not going to use names because maybe they don't want me to talk about it but I had an intriguing conversation with a guy who basically he and his brother and uh, from Florida and he um, basically grew up with he and his brother grew up with the exact opposite uh, style of upbringing when it came to movies and television and so whereas I watched almost everything uh, with uh, a handful of exceptions uh, they watched almost nothing. And so that was intriguing. And he was talking about, you know, trying to see the mask, you know, because that was what they the wanted. Mask. The mask. to see yeah. the mask. Because that the was Jim edgy. Carrey yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I'll and tell I, you what, Cameron Diaz's legs go for days oh, in that movie. Yeah, yeah that, that was, yeah, that was a good movie for her. And I said to him, when you finally were able to just watch any movie you wanted, what was it? And he said, old school. It, yeah. The great comedy, but it must be time. so shocking if you went went from like zero to like to suddenly it's old school. It's like, wow, man, your you head know. would explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Kenny brothers, who's the re yeah. the real reason you didn't want to say their names because you don't remember them. Oh, I do. Even I though do. you're Mr. President, no, 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 no. I yeah. do, I do. They Ryan were great. And Patrick, and, uh, but I didn't want both to college ball players. Flash, Flash had a lot of questions. Oh, good, good, good. And the other thing is, you know, what he mentioned is they didn't watch any um, Harry Potter. Yeah, of, I don't. I didn't. I think they have the wizardry. last people. You know, yeah, I know, yeah. which is crazy. Let's see what's coming here. Oh, over the weekend. Speaking sunny. of people not watching Harry Potter. Oh! <laughs> 
God, why? Oh, like, why? I want to put the gif in of the kids going. <laughs> Thank you, Sonny. <laughs> Fantastic beasts and the crimes of Grindelwald. Colon, the crimes of Grindelwald. <clears throat> took the top spot at the box office with $62 million, followed by Dr. Seuss's The Grinch with $38 million, and coming from behind in third place, Bohemian Rhapsody with $15.7 million. What? <laughs> well, I, I hope it lingers. I hope it stays around. If only, if only Facebook Live. Oh yeah, so you can see that here. one. Well, the chair is rocking. Uh, and it needs oh to be. It needs the, 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 the chair. Sorry. The chair is rocking. It needs lubrication. Uh, box office. Box office. Sunny. While while JVL recovers, a uh, box office thoughts. Fan, is that a good number for Fantastic Beasts? Sixty-two million. No. Well, so it, it it's interesting because it did make about a quarter of a billion dollars worldwide. Right now, it's, it's all just simultaneous now around. The so world. if you if you want to look at the international numbers, they're not terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to look at the domestic numbers, this is, I believe, the worst opening for a Harry Potter branded movie. Yeah, I think it is. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. Maybe JBL can effort that for us. Um, but yeah. I'm. Uh, but it's it's a it's a bad number. And it just gets back to the, the the point that people, I don't know that people, at least people in America, I don't know that they want Harry Potter movies without Harry Potter. What, right. Like, this is, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a real problem. Like, the Harry Potter expanded universe is not particularly interesting. Um, I don't know exactly why that is. I mean, I, I don't know exactly why that is, but I also don't know why Harry Potter was super interesting. It never, it, it never clicked for me. Um, it didn't. It it does nothing for me. So I'm I'm not the right person to ask on this. Um, but yeah, that's a it's a bad figure. Um, and I I, I don't know what they. I, I I mean, I guess they keep making these movies because they will keep making money overseas. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I just don't find uh Eddie Redmayne's character as compelling. I guess. <laughs> and Eddie Redmayne is also just weird. Yeah. To look at. Yeah. I don't I don't like his face. <laughs> I like the. I'm you sure know, I, the schlub, I know, the, a lot the, of people the, don't like my face, and yeah. that, that's a good okay, reason for that. Fair enough. But like, but he yeah. he just looks weird and awkward, and I I, I don't uh, I don't know. I do like the schlub's character. You know, I mean the the American who gets uh, who gets sucked into this, and he's uh, yeah. and he's a he's a uh, uh, muggle, uh, uh, and so I still haven't seen the first one. Speaking oh, of yeah, people okay. who oh, haven't oh, seen, yeah, no, so I who seen, don't watch it. I've no. seen the first one. It's not compelling. No, the most interesting box office thing to me. I was looking through the. I was cute at as, the end. as I as I do. I was just scrolling through Box Office Mojo looking for mm-hmm. interesting tidbits, and Venom is about to gross eight hundred million dollars worldwide. Yes, which strikes that. me as an insane number. It's pronounced Venom. Venom. <laughs> Venom. Uh, I. I don't under this is this is like this is a weird totally shocking thing to me that makes no sense at all. I don't understand it. I don't understand it cuz it's not even it like it has kind of Marvel branding, but this is more than a lot of the Marvel movies have made. It's more than Guardians of the Galaxy made. It's more it's than weird. it's more than either of the Ant-Man movies has made. I mean like and it doesn't really have Spider-Man branding. I mean like it's not a Spider-Man no. movie. There's no Spider-Man and th- this movie has now grossed more than both of the Amazing Spider-Man films, the Andrew Garfield reboots. Um, so I don't know, man. I I find this I find this weird and kind of troubling, just because it's not it's not a very good movie, and it didn't really seem to be like hitting huge 
joy centers with the audience. I wasn't seeing people out there, you know, like running around in Venom costumes demanding more Venom, you know, it, but it, it just keeps making money. JVL. Well, but it's it's slotted, right? There was no, this was not rushed out during the summer when there's a Marvel, Marvel movie every three weeks. Uh, it is off-brand in that it's R, right? Or mm. is it PG-13, PG-13, but it's but it's got cursing in it. I mean, this is a very it's, different kind right, it's of a, it's Marvel a Deadpool. movie. It's a Deadpoolish it's sort of Deadpoolish, movie. Deadpoolish, but so much better than Deadpool. Um, so much better than Deadpool. I mean, De- two? Deadpool one. two, certainly. Um, and maybe Deadpool one. No, uh, Deadpool one is like a competent piece of storytelling from start to finish. This was a competent piece of storytelling. It, but Not it, much more than that, but it was, and with a great. And you know what? Tom Hardy's a star. Tom, is Tom he? Hardy's a no, movie but is star. he? Is he? I, is he is, I don't think that's true. I do so, not think that Tom Hardy is a movie star. He is now. I well, he is so. now. Yeah, he is now. But, I so I saw this on Sunday again. I, of course, my, movie stars aren't a thing. You went yeah. to see Venom again with my Venom? with my son. Venom. Venom. You took Michael to I Venom. Took, he wanted to see it. I surprised him because I didn't think it was showing anywhere. I said that movie came out so long ago, and I looked; it was still showing at Tyson's. So I go over there to Tyson's with him. He was very excited. I had to get him out of the house because my daughter had a birthday party. All these girls there, so I said, "Let's go." And uh, the theater was crowded. I mean, there were people in front of me, and it was the old Tyson's. I forget. There's, it's not the reclining chair. Type. It's like the, you know. Yeah. And it, it has a sign seating, but they're like they're yeah, smaller. They're small seats, seats yeah. and you forget what that's like. And at least your your view is not obstructed. I mean, each row is very much higher than yeah. the other one, so that's fine. It's not like completely old school, but. Uh, so of course he loved it. He said, "I wish that I wish uh, that that Venom, the, the symbiote, Venom. was in me." He wanted Venom in in, in him, and he had these powers, uh, and and so he was really into it. Um, the on second viewing, it's weird. Okay, how they go out of its way. Uh, the movie goes out of its way to uh, um, uh, not have a lot of Spider Man. You know, uh, well, none. There's no. no I mean, I mean, like yeah. uh, the resemblance. There's yeah, no. Res- yeah. And they're right. trying to say, oh, there's no connection with this character. And, um, and 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 Spider Man, and that's weird. Uh, I think JVL is right. Tom Hardy is great in this movie. He is. He I'm a, is Tom Hardy really is one hundred percent like the thing that uh-huh. makes this movie he's work. Got, and he's got a real physical presence too. And he, he and obviously he's it's such a stark contrast to Michelle Williams. I'm gonna who, even on the second movie, still weird. I would compare the Tom Hardy performance in Venom to Johnny Depp's performance in the original. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. I think it is something that was so out of left field Mm -hmm. that audiences reacted to the performance itself. And in the same way that the original Pirates of the Caribbean became a huge thing just on the strength of that, (laughs) I would suggest that's what's happening with Venom. There was a, there at the very end, there was the uh, Stan Lee cameo, and you did hear the audience a few, oh, oh, oh. Quick correction. Yes. Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Yes. The lowest opening ever ah. for a Harry Potter Wizarding World franchise okay. picture. The highest ever was The Last Deathly Hallows. How often does that happen? That the final movie in a giant series gets a... Well, yeah. I mean, obviously everyone wanted to see how it ended. And they read the book. They want to see it happen. Yeah. But you're saying Grindelwald is the lowest? Lowest. Yeah. That, lowest ever. By a good that? margin. That's... How was that a correction? I, that's what I you said. You had said second lowest. No, I said, no, I said, said lowest. lowest. Oh, I'm no, sorry. I, go I, back I thought to the you tape. said second lowest. It turns out Sonny was always right. <laughs> second lowest that might be the first. The, uh, probably the first uh, Crimes of Grand. Fantastic first, first Fantastic. So from 74.4 to 62. Yeah, that's not good. 
Uh, nobody really is curious about the sort of origin what was the, what was the uh, international box office on the first fantastic beast movie can you just click on that real quick? uh yeah you guys talk okay uh yeah so so uh, venom was uh, fine venom. i mean venom was fine and uh it still looks like sideshow bob at the end with uh woody harrelson <laughs> with carnage with carnage you know Cletus i just wish if if this thing actually happens with well no it won't happen with sony because it's in association with marvel i just wish there was more of a connection but you can't because we're currently at the high school Peter Parker iteration, so that wouldn't match with Daily Bugle Peter Parker. Well, technically, teenage Peter Parker was a freelance photographer. Oh, sure, for, sure. For yes. the Daily Bugle. Yes. But there was no J. Jonah Jameson in Homecoming. No. no. Fantastic Beasts, uh, total gross worldwide, $814 million, 580 of which were overseas. overseas. Yeah. Well, if it It'll works. probably do that about again. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I like... I guess eight hundred million dollars is a fine number for these movies, but mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I guess eight hundred million. I guess eight hundred million works. Uh, but actually, we're actually uh, not here to talk about uh, crimes of Grindelwald. Here we are, thirty minutes into the show. Yeah, let's get to good. the let's get to the topic. We're actually talking about a movie that opened in fifth place, although in about half, almost half as many theaters as as uh, as uh, as Fantastic Beasts. Uh, and we're talking about Steve McQueen's Widows, and it came in in fifth place with twelve million dollars. Mm. Uh, is it going to go up from here, Sonny, or is it, is it going to be in more theaters, or is it is it like what's happening? You think? Well, it's a it's a weird movie because it's an R-rated crime drama that's not tied to any pre-existing property that that is familiar to people. I mean, it is it's based on a British novel and TV series, but I don't think a lot of people know uh, know that. Um, uh, so it, it's always the sort of movie that was never going to open huge and needs to be kind of a slow burn. Uh, but it got a B from Cinema Score, so I'm not I'm not 100 sure that slow burn is going to be there. Um, should I? Uh, yeah, why not? I'm a big boy review. Widows from the director of Twelve Years a Slave and Shame and Hunger uh, is a. I'm trying to think of how best to describe this. I would say it is a politically conscious heist thriller uh, that is also kind of like Lady Heat. I don't know. Is that would you would you say that's no that's, that's oh yes not, that's I thought right. that I thought what would happen if the ladies from Heat Lady got Heat. together Lady Heat after their husband uh, no, no no I I'm, this I'm is joking. no country from old women no this is you're ridiculous uh, the uh, widows uh, so widows is about a, a trio of women who come together after their husbands die in a heist uh, the the heist was an attempt to steal two million dollars from the Manning brothers who uh, are uh, a pair of African-American gangsters, one of whom is running for city alderman uh, in Chicago. He is trying to be the first black city councilman or city alderman uh, in the, the ward's history uh, and defeat Jack Mulligan, who's played by Colin Farrell, uh, who is in, who's trying to inherit the seat essentially from his father, Tom Mulligan, played by the great Robert Duvall. So there, there are two kind of separate things going on in this film. One, there's a, there's a twisty turny uh curveball ridden uh thriller heist movie uh, and this is the viola davis part of the story um viola davis leads this team of women uh michelle rodriguez elizabeth the becky join her uh and there's a second part of the film which is a portrait of a city um that is crippled by 
corruption and graft and fraud. And it's kind of how these two ideas work together with each other that makes the film interesting. And it is interesting and it's good. I enjoyed I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, I uh, there's there's this one really great shot in the film that, that kind of ties all this together where uh, the Colin Farrell is at an event minority women owned workplaces MWOW and he's talking and he's talking about how he's going to bring jobs and opportunities to this blighted area and he gets in his SUV with his with his body woman and they are driving back to his home which is still in the ward but it's on the edge of the ward it's on like the nice part of the ward and when they get into the the SUV the camera stays outside like it's mounted on the SUV and you can see you can actually track the progress you can see what he is trying to flee essentially this poverty and this blight to like kind of a nicer part of the city uh, and then to an actual gated home uh, that is still that is still part of the ward but that is paid for with his uh, corruption and his graph graft um, I love this shot because it kind of gets at what everything that is wrong with local city politics everything that is corrupt and bad and venal uh, and it does it in a very visual and interesting way um, sort of thing you don't really see in a lot of uh, kind of mainstream crime movies mm-hmm. so uh, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here um, my, my big critique of it and maybe we'll get into spoilers after the after the ad read so if you want to see it listen to the ad and then stop stop <laughs> stop listening but there, there's one big twist at the end that I think doesn't work and that I think actually undermines the seriousness of the picture as a whole uh, in a way that kind of saddens me because it, up until up until that point it was I would say it was trending toward being one of the best movies of the year after that it's just I don't know it doesn't work for me um, but uh, three you, or four stars three or four thank you Sonny the, uh, before you watch the movie uh, did you get the intro by Steve McQueen? This has happened yes. in a couple of movies. I've seen a couple of movies now where um, the director uh, begins the movie saying, hi, this is whoever the director is. And thank you for watching this movie. It meant a lot to me. Have you seen this? I was very what's, unsettled by it. What, what's happening? He's changed it. so much since Bullet. What? Oh, <laughs> he did. I mean, he doesn't even look since like Papillon, the same guy. Since Papillon. I mean, like something has really happened to him. <laughs> Well, yeah. I don't know how yeah. to. I don't know how to make a joke about this <laughs> I was without trying, losing I, all of my jobs. I, I so. was yes, I was going to make a, a stupid creep. God, was it, you beat me to it then. Okay, fine. But you know what I mean. Have you seen this thing? Is this a new thing now? Is this uh, going to happen from I now assume, on? I assume this is an effort by the theaters and the film directors to, do to what? make people feel like seeing the movie in the theater is like a personal yes. event. That it's like yeah. almost a favor to the people who made yeah. the film. Yeah. Um, I think it's weird. I don't like it. Yeah. I, I, but I also kind of understand why it's happening. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a lot of people who might not know that, you know, Steve McQueen is, you know, a very talented director and, you know, he's innovative and he's got, you know, a lot of vision. Speaking of vision, Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Available exclusively through Warby Parker's website and retail stores. Glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Warby Parker is eyewear with a purpose. Almost 1 billion people worldwide lack access to glasses. This means 15% of the global population cannot effectively learn or work, which is crazy because glasses were invented 700 years ago. We should be on top of this. Warby Parker partners with nonprofits like Vision Spring to ensure for every pair of glasses sold, a pair is distributed to someone in need. We believe that everyone has the right to see. 
Warby Parker makes buying glasses online easy and risk-free. Yes, our home try-on program allows you to order five pairs of glasses shipped directly to your door where you could try them on in the comfort of your own home. You could try the frames for five days before sending them back using a free prepaid return shipping label and no obligation to purchase. It's 100% free and so easy to do. Sunglasses start at $95, including polarized lenses available with prescription starting at $175. Warby Parker's sunglasses feature premium polarized lenses that are scratch resistant and provide 100% UV protection. I did the home try-on thing. It arrived in a few days. Five different pairs. I went through all of them. We had some disagreements. My wife and my children were ultimately the people to decide what I should wear. And that's how I ended up with the Eaton, the dark tortoiseshell glasses. And they're great. Yes. Hello. You can't even tell that they're polarized. Uh, so anyway, as I mentioned, Warby Parker has a free home try-on program. Order five pairs of glasses. Try them on for five days. There is no obligation to buy. It all ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Head to warbyparker.com slash substandard to order your free home try-ons today. Glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Lenses include anti-glare, anti-scratch coatings. For every pair you buy, a pair is distributed. Someone in need. That's warbyparker.com slash substandard to order your free home try-ons today. Also, do you have an iPhone 10? Make sure you download Warby Parker's app where you can use their brand new feature, Find Your Fit. Find Your Fit uses the iPhone 10's true depth camera to map and measure key facial features. Using these measurements, Find Your Fit recommends approximately 12 Warby Parker frames that are likely the best fit for your face. The process is seamless and takes only a few seconds. I would not want to do the uh, depth thing because I think uh, for the iPhone 10, it's only for homo sapien skulls. And not really for like Cro-Magnon, Cro -Mag. Peking Man, Peking Man, Klingon, Klingon. Really, it's a, I don't know what the phone would do. It would be like eh, eh, does not uh, does not right. you. It would shut. It would phone free, would blow it would, up. Both the phones would blow in up your, in your hands. Blow up. Uh, okay, uh, JVL, you saw Widows several days ago, and we got texts from you like we thought you had just seen Gone with the Wind. Talk to us. Did anyone else? Well, see I thought Widows? he saw. I thought he no. saw a, a good movie. Oh, he. <laughs> Not gone. With I the forgot, wind. Sonny. Oh, that's old reference there. No one else saw. No, no, no. There was. There's nothing else. I don't know what else to say. You know, he. I don't know what else he would have said, except for you know Michelle Rodriguez gives a Fast and Furious performance. But that's you know okay. I really liked it. Yeah, you yeah, did. I, Tell I, us why. I, I, uh, well, it's not a heist movie. I mean, it is a movie about the American city. That is, it is, uh, and in that way, I think probably the best movie about the corruptions of local politics since Chinatown. I'm Ron Burgundy. Uh, I mean, this is, so the whole, the can we talk about spoilers now so we don't yeah, have to sure, like sure. talk around this? I mean, we'll just talk about the plot of the, of the yeah. movie. Yep. The entire story is set in, I mean, for me, the, the, the parceling out of the information about how this giant Rube Goldberg contraption was built mm -hmm. and how it came to be is the most interesting part. And it begins with Robert Duvall, as you find out, refusing to play ball with a slightly bigger fish in Chicago politics because, as he tells his son, I don't roll over for anybody. Because he's this stubborn old man who has had power, you know, small time. He wants but to make Chicago great power. again. Um, and uh, as his punishment, 
his ward is redrawn with 9,000 more black voters, which creates an opportunity for Jamal Manning, who is a small-time gangster who wants to become a white-collar criminal. Because as he says to his psychotic brother, he says, look, you know, the guys, when we do something bad now, the people who come after us have guns. Once I become an alderman, we get a taste of everything that happens in this ward. And if we screw up, the people who come after us are with the IRS. Like, we can handle that. That's not with a tape recorders. Deal. I mean, it's even right. less than that. It's the press. You know, he's very dismissive of the, right. the press. So he thinks they can they can do it. And uh, but they need they need the money. He needs the, the bankroll that he has saved to fund to finance the campaign. Uh, and so the younger Mulligan uh, enlists Harry Rollins, uh, little Liam Neeson character, to steal his bankroll. And so that's what the theft, the theft is never about the money. The theft is about the, I mean, this is, the heist is an attempt to steal an alderman seat, not an attempt to steal the money. The money is just the MacGuffin for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Harry has decided to use the heist then. For him, it's not about the seat either. It's a, it's a way to escape this marriage, which to him has become a trap in which he is constantly reminded of the culpability he owns for the death of his son. I mean, all, all do of you these think, things is, do you think, man, it's fantastic. Do you think that that is what Steve McQueen intended with this? So in in, in a flashback, we see uh, uh, Harry's and Viola Davis. So Liam Neeson's and Viola Davis's uh, son is killed by the police or during a traffic stop. Yes. Um, because he is a black man driving a Mercedes in, uh, in downtown Chicago. But it's uh, his father's fault. It's his father's father's fault except i so forcing him to do an illegal u-turn here's here's I, I i think my takeaway from this and i think this was also armand white's takeaway um is armand white armand white the uh african-american critic for the for national review and and elsewhere um i his his takeaway i believe uh was that steve mcqueen sees this as a um a uh, a criticism of interracial marriage and relationships, um, which is kind of how it is played in the movie. You know, Viola Davis it's, says, it's you a know, stark it opener. never, it, Viola, Viola Davis says something like, this never would have happened if you had married, had not married me. Mm -hmm. And she blames herself, I think, more than Liam Neeson well, sure. blames himself. And I think Liam Neeson blames her more as well. That is my takeaway from like how that all plays out. Which again is very my view is that both parents blame themselves, mm -hmm. as you would imagine happens all the time yeah, yeah, when sure. a, a child dies. Maybe. But that what the audience is supposed to take away from this is that it's his fault, not hers. He's the one who asks his kid to turn around. Now, then his fault again. This is th there's no moral mm -hmm. culpability here, but just the circumstantial culpability that a a parent would feel. Mm -hmm. And so what we're supposed to look at is look at him. So the two parents both believe it's their fault. But the person who really is carrying the weight of this is Liam Neeson. Because A, he, at, while the kid, so the kid is driving uh, his car, uh, talking to his dad. And the kid has the anniversary present uh, still in the car. His dad says, you got to turn around and bring it home so I can give it to your mom. And the kid says, yeah, but I, I have tickets to this game. And dad says, you know, look, the anniversary of our, your parents is more important than your game. The kid's like, yeah, yeah, I know. So he turns around. Uh, cops pull him over he tosses the phone over and then his dad yells at him because mm -hmm. he's on speakerphone and the kid lunges over to get the phone because mm -hmm. his dad is yelling at him which is then what causes the cops to, sh to, to open mm -hmm. fire and kill him so I think we the audience are supposed to think that Liam Neeson's own sense of guilt is the more rational sense of guilt 
in that Viola Davis's personal sense of guilt is is more misplaced. Mm. Okay. Does that does that make sense? Uh, it makes sense. This parent has a lot of parent-child stuff going on. I mean, one of the most affecting scenes I have ever seen is when uh, I don't even know what the character's name is. Um, the yeah, the, the woman. blonde the blonde girl from the the nail salon and the hair salon. So this woman comes home after working oh, all sure. day. Her mom has been watching her daughter. She's in the house for fifteen seconds. The phone rings. She picks it up. And she basically runs out mm-hmm. and says, you know, I can't take a cab. Cabs are tough for me right now. And we just see her running. We don't know why she's running. She yeah. runs to catch a bus. Just for her. Then she shows up at Michelle Rodriguez's mm-hmm. house to babysit mm-hmm. her children. Mm-hmm. And she puts on this Mary Poppins-like performance. She's never met this woman before, yeah. never met these kids before. For $12 an hour. For $12 an hour to take care of this woman's children rather than her own child as an act of duty and love for her own child. I mean, I almost burst into tears with this. It was such a beautiful, hard-to-watch thing. And I think this movie is talking a lot about the duties that parents owe to their children and the things that parents do for their children. And and the duties also that children have toward their parents. You see that in the Jack and Tom Mulligan relationship. My favorite scene in the film is the scene where Tom Mulligan... Uh, Robert, who's played by Robert Duvall again, is telling uh, uh, Colin Farrell's character that he has to hire back some some old yes. family a, man. That's a great family. He, this old guy who's worked with the family for thirty family years, yep. and he, you know, he, he he wasn't able to secure the endorsement of the most important pastor in the ward, and this has, you know, this has endangered the whole campaign. So he fires the guy. And, you know, and and Robert Duvall comes in and is like, you're going to rehire him. This is our ward. You know, we're not giving it up to some, you know, uppity black guys, blah, blah, blah. And, and Colin Farrell just has this broken look on his face. He's like, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of having to deal with your bigotries. And I'm says, tired I can't of having, wait till you're dead. He's like, yeah, he's like, I can't wait till you till people like you are dead. Till it, yeah, he doesn't specifically say, like, I can't wait till you're in the ground. But it's basically that is that is what you're supposed to take away from this. And and it and the look on. On Robert Duvall's face uh, of a of the realization that his his son hates him and hates the family business because that's what politics is in Chicago. It's a family business. Yep. Is is, uh, is 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 it, it's it's heartrending. I mean, look, this is this is so this is my problem with the movie. In a nutshell, is all of these little moments are great, and I think they all could have been. This movie could have been forty minutes longer. And really get into how Jamal Manning managed to unseat the Mulligans, because all we really get in this, in regard to this, are like updates on poll numbers. Once every twenty minutes or so, we hear, "Oh, he's down by nine points now." Oh, he's down by six points now. Oh, he's down by. But we don't actually see him do any campaigning. We don't really, you know. <coughs> all we get is all we get is one interaction with this pastor who flips. And. Uh, I could have I could have gone I could have gone thirty or forty minutes longer on this. I could have you could have made it truly like heat and made I it, taken made, it made it all about these relationships. And instead, you say this you say this is not a heist movie, and you're right, except it is a heist movie, and the worst parts about it are the heist parts where they're discussing how twisty and turny it is and we're trying to figure out where the money's coming from and what this this second heist, the second five million dollar heist that the widows are trying to pull is 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 uh, you know how it's all related to and bringing Harry back to life at the end of the film, which is what happens, is this it's 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 just a bad move that underscores kind of the unreality of all of this. 
for me. It it took me out of the film, um, and it made it feel like a a a, a work of fiction, as the, opposed to what was the Ashley Judd movie where Double Jeopardy, Double right? Jeopardy, where, yeah. yeah, there was a little bit of that to it. So there's this this is so, but this is my problem with it. Up until that point, it is a very realistic film. It is a very realistic film about families and about political corruption and about how cities are broken and how that impacts everyone in the city. I mean, my favorite little touch, my favorite little touch is uh, Viola Davis's character is playing uh, her, her job in real life is a uh, teacher's union. Mm-hmm. Rep. She's she's like a bigwig with the teachers union. So of course it makes sense she, that she lives in a luxe penthouse with a nice driver. Like nobody really questions that because she works for the teachers union. Uh, and and it, it, it's little things like that that really make the world of the film work for me. And this big Gillian Flynn esque, she co-wrote the film. Um, this big Gillian Flynn esque turn at the end just it's it 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 wrecked all it wrecked a lot of that world building and reality didn't wreck it for, for me. me. Victorino, did you love it as much as I did? No. <laughs> I thought it was too what, long. What is happening here? You love everything <laughs> know. you see. I was like, when is this movie going to end? Let's this just is, get to the heist. <laughs> this is why it has a B from Cinema Score. <laughs> People like me, I, can't I came to this movie that. to see Heat and I have to learn about these long drawn out relationships. I'm like, boring. But that's what he <laughs> but that's what heat is. <laughs> what was I yeah, I'm not going to mention the name of the guy. Don't, okay. don't, it's somebody you know. It's somebody you know, used to know who had terrible taste. What was it? Mel Brooks? About the producer. Oh, about the producer? That movie? <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, the thumbs double down, thumbs, thumbs down. down and okay, so I'm, not, I'm, I'm kidding about it. I'm, I'm, you I didn't, didn't like I didn't it? Think it was, I thought it was, I was like, I just felt uncomfortable being, I just felt like it was too long. Um, there were aspects of it I thought were good. I was expecting, my expectation was this was going to be more heist and... You wanted set in it that off. part, yeah, I guess. But I mean, it's again, not set it, it off. is it's like Lady, it is like Lady Lady Heat in my pitch. Like what happened if Amy Brenneman and Ashley Judd and Charito's wife got together after everybody died or went away and said, "What do we got to do? We got this <laughs> one last score. Let's finish it off and let's do it." Um, and uh, so, so there was that. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, it is important this reminder that these people, these 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 criminals, lie, uh, thieves, killers have other lives if you got family they got all these responsibilities i mean that was the whole point of the sopranos was that there's a whole other world that we not tend not to think about but um i mean you have a very interesting take which is you know those characters i mean obviously the the heist guy the robbers that's incidental i mean their lives heist are, itself yeah, is a MacGuffin. john bernthal you know who i said oh john bernthal was in the movie very briefly uh and playing obviously a bad uh, yeah. person um i i liked okay so who did i like i thought it was a great cast um, Elizabeth Debicki. Ooh, I am interesting. A big Elizabeth. I've been yeah. a big Elizabeth Debicki fan since, since? Uh, the, the Great Gatsby. Yes. Oh, oh, oh! I didn't even see oh. her. She was in. She was in the Great Gatsby. She well, played she's like six foot two back then as well. Yes. I mean, this is the thing. Is that she's I always enormous. I always, she is role limited by her height. She is. She is a giant ass. Uh, and I, I like have always kind of noticed her because I'm like, who is that exceptionally tall person? Yeah. Uh, in the film, yeah. she she is a foot taller than all of these uh, Hollywood mm-hmm. men. Uh. She was also one. Of, she's one of. She's like the head gold alien yes. in Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Oh, yes. that's also um, But she yeah. is. I've. I've always yeah. been. A, and she was in the terrible um, uh, Cloverfield, the Cloverfield oh. Paradox, the one uh-huh. that was went straight to Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no. But like every time she shows up, I'm like, 
who is this giant yeah. person? And I can't remember in, her name on the screen. And it's uh, Elizabeth Debicki. And she is she is by far the MVP of this movie. She does accents. She's funny. She did. She also she did her Russian Polish accent. So good. She was like, wow, that's pretty good. And of course, she's a Brit. And uh, so when I first saw her in uh, in in Widows, I was like, oh, who is this? And she totally fooled me. I didn't realize it was her. And then I was like, wait a minute, I know who that is from the Night Manager. And I thought she really stood out in the yeah. Night Manager. I mean, obviously physically, she's great. she must be what? How tall is she? She's six two. She's yeah, six, six two. She's my size. Yeah. Uh, and and so I like that. And of course, Robert Duvall and Colin Farrell also. And of course, Daniel Kaluuya. Who plays a, a great sort of the psychotic yeah, yeah, brother? He yeah. is the yeah, yeah he is like who's the, learning Spanish. He's like the Joe yeah. Pesci of yeah. Which I mean, there's all sorts of no, interesting things. No, he's not like Joe Pesci. He's not he's played for killer. Laughs. No, no, he's not like, he's psychotic. He's not, a killer. Not Joe he's only Pesci. skeptical about whether or not yeah. they need to like to move up to not, white collar yeah. crime. Not Joe Pesci, Home Alone, Home Pe- Joe Pesci Casino. I mean, like where he does yeah, the dirty okay. work. He does the dirty work, and, and not a lot, not a lot of dialogue. And he's another Brit actor. There's another. There's another great shot in this movie where you first see how crazy he really is where he he gets the two turns guys turns up the television who, oh no 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 no, no. <laughs> no I'm, I'm thinking of the scene in the gym yeah uh, where he has the guys do the like rapping yeah while the camera kind of spins around them and he kind of dips and ducks closer and closer. Happen. I mean, he's like a shark. I mean, he moves like a shark with these kind of like fluid but constant motions, and he's getting in people's face. It was I was actually like kind of relieved when he pulled the gun out and shot the guy. I was like, okay, that's. I'm I was glad bracing. Scene, I'm glad the scene is over. I was this, bracing this, I'm very, for it. This is. I was bracing for it and remind me of the Untouchables where uh, Al Capone has the baseball yeah. bat, you know, and it's just it's going to happen. Just when is this going to happen? So I thought that was good too. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, also, I'll say another weird thing. Uh, we've seen many movies now in the span of the substandard. It's rare these days to see a movie where there's actual, like, there's an actual sex scene in the movie. <laughs> I knew you'd go here. Isn't that weird? I mean, it's weird because it's like, wow, I haven't, I don't even know how to react in front of all these other people in the <laughs> audience. This is kind of awkward seeing this, you know, and nudity. So that was, uh, yeah, that's right. Did you, did you start making noises? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I... I have all sorts of. I, I have all, it reminds me uh, of a, a, a legend. I don't remember this happening, but I, years ago I had seen uh, Mean Girls with Matt Layback at, at the waterfront. I don't know where this is going, but it's got to stop. Wherever this dumb. is going, and I really enjoyed the movie. Stop. But apparently, somebody said to Matt, "Oh yeah, I heard uh, you went to see uh, Mean Girls with with Vic at the, uh, at the waterfront." And Matt apparently said something to the effect of, yeah, it was great, but he kept on making noises throughout, like, uh, mm, uh, I guess, I don't know, I don't even, maybe I made them yesterday, I don't remember, but that was kind of weird. I mean, it's like, you know, in the 80s, you know, you expect there's going to be, you know, nudity in any movie. It's going to happen. Any R-rated any movie R-rated is going to have movie, nudity. Maybe PG, it's going to happen. And now it's just very, very rare. So that was, that was very rare. Um uh, so again, I, I don't know. I felt in some ways I thought it was trying too hard uh, to make all these points. I, mean, I get the points, but I just thought it was trying too hard. I, 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 I can't believe we're in a place. Normally it's, it's flips where down. I, yeah, like exactly. you guys are like, yeah, no, it's good, it's fine. And I'm <laughs> this like, is terrible. Upset. So this this movie spoke to you. Jack, this movie well, spoke I just you. thought it was, I really like movies with ideas. This mm-hmm. has a real idea mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the ideas in it are interesting. And it's also a character study. It has all the parent stuff. Viola Davis is amazing. What, do you think, what does the Cinema Square be? Right? Cinema Square So, so that represents that, the people? Yeah. The, the audience. So I'll say, you're, I'll be, you're the, the audience. People. You're the voice of the people. Ready voice of the people? Too many ideas. It's going too many directions. JBL, I I agree with you. All the ideas are good and interesting. Character study stuff is great. But compare it to Heat. 
Actually, well, compare Heath. This but, is why but I, actually I give compare, it a four and a half stars. But see, actually compare it to Heath, though, where y- there are no actual like the the heists in Heat aren't actually clever. Like we right. aren't we aren't expected to like try it's and guess the where Italian the money job. is going. Right. It's not Ocean's Eleven. But the real right. heist is never the Italian right, right. job or the Ocean's and, Eleven. But that's the, the that's the and problem. This. That's the problem is that this movie turns into the Italian job. Oh, so the Ocean's it Eleven. Is. Like it's incredibly simple. It's, like it's, all they do is like they. But it, the, the key of the heist is they blackmailed the guy from the security company. It's all too complicated. It's all too complicated. They should have Liam Neeson should have stayed dead, and you still could have gotten all of the yeah. corruption. That's all the thing. The you know what? I didn't. I didn't like the idea that Liam Neeson was able could, to sort of off all of his buddies, and he was going to kill yeah. his wife at the end. Yeah. So this well, doesn't bother me the way it bothers you. I understand why it would bother you. I would say I one of the reasons I don't mind it is because it leaves a, the movie with only a single honest crook. And the only honest crook is Jack Mulligan, the son by Colin Farrell. So so he is a fascinating character. And again, I could have had another 45 minutes that gives us more of him and more of Jamal Manning. Yeah, totally. Uh, because so Jack Mulligan hates this job, doesn't want to, to be the thing, but he wants to be rich. He is totally corrupt. He's willing to, you know, do what he has to do to, to get the thing. But he's the only guy in it. One of the subplots running underneath it is the green line. So yeah. there's some yep. mass transit expansion coming through. And that's totally believable, by the way. Totally believable, yeah. right? You know how that works. You know and how that works. Jack Mulligan is in favor of it. And the reason he's in favor of it is because he thinks it's going to work. Oh, right. He does. Right. I you mean, are, this is like so he's you're the saying only- when he tells the reporter that it's going to bring all these poor people, laborers, it's going to get them to – you think he's being genuine when no, he's – No, so he's, he's, he's doing shtick then. But then he, as he gets in the car, he says to his mm-hmm. – the body woman who mm-hmm. he's banging mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. side, he's like, I, I don't could, they understand that this thing only works if you can get – I mean, he actually believes in this thing that he's doing. Do you, and he wants to get rich off of it too. He, want, you know, he wants to do all the graft. Mm-hmm. But he's an honest crook in that way. Uh, question: uh, What is the actual relationship between uh, Jack Mulligan and his body woman? I, I couldn't tell if they were like the redhead a, paper. In an actual yeah, relationship, what is Robert if, Duvall. Like I thought, I thought the redhead paperweight. Yeah, the redhead paper. I, 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 I thought at first that she might be his wife because they're no, he's left his wife. Right. Is that is that a thing? With her. Yeah, he's no longer said with his earlier wife. in the film because yeah. I may have missed that. Yeah, I was I was just like because it's clear that again an int- again a very interesting part of this film is he's like waffling he wants out and she's like man the f up you gotta right. you gotta get your get your crap together and we gotta mm-hmm. we gotta do this because I want money the and scene you in want the club. money you want to be mayor. You want to be mayor, and this is how you become mayor. The so. scene in the club, in the, like the Union League club, where he's with yeah. all these, and again, all the casual the fat racist fat yeah. cat types. And he just isn't willing to like towel snap with them. And his response is, once I have power, I'm going to get all of you f***ers investigated. Yeah. And it, <laughs> again, I loved the Jack Mulligan character. I thought this is, again, he's a crook. He's not somebody, yes. but he is the only character in it, in it who is a crook who also has an actual moral compass to yeah. him. And Liam Neeson's character, because of the turn, does not. I, right? I so without the turn, you would think he is also an honest crook, but he isn't. So two questions. Yeah. Two questions, okay. Uh, so in the end, because uh, they fa- they jump forward to the future, but we actually, and we know he wins, but we don't know what happens. Uh, he How does he handle not having his money, right? He comes back, and the money is stolen, and... Well, but, but that's also his dad's money, right? There's a, there's a line, at, there's a line at the end the... that says, you're here to steal my retirement. So in theory, that's not actually Jack's money. Okay. All right. And where, Insofar as it's anyone's money. Where, and where, and 
you know, I mean, they talk about the tragedy of the, the father uh, dying and the sympathy vote. But, of course, the other candidate's brother dies, right? Yeah, but the a, other brothers. I mean, this a, is a this terrible is, car accident. This is, this is one thing that I could have used more of is, like, how does the press actually handle the fact that this mobster, I mean, this, like, this like obviously people know who he is and that he is a he's a he's a criminal and that he consorts with criminals like how does he actually yeah, manage know. to whitewash all mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. how does you know his brothers running around committing murders right while all right. this is going on and nobody is nobody i again i like the movie i could have used 30 you know minutes. what that's like well it's like the bulgers whitey bulger and his brother Happens all the time in America. Sonny. <laughs> in America, wake where, up, sheeple. Where, where, where does the backup car come from? We didn't see that, right? So, I mean, he drives away with the uh, the getaway car, and then they come in. Well, they're the dropped off, I mean, right? They're dropped off originally yeah. by a minivan or whatever. Yeah, you know, and then they have the other van. They have two cars at the beginning. Oh, oh, okay, 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 yeah. okay, okay fine. Yeah. Uh, okay. I actually love the way in which he was killed. So, this guy who's like a shark, uh, who is you know like the baddest, of the badasses in the movie, is killed in a totally pedestrian. Oh, right. Like, just traffic in, you know, because the happens. truth is, when cars crash, it isn't like it is in the movies. Yeah. Like, if you crash really badly. Mission Impossible style. That right. Like, in Ronin or something yeah. like that. You don't just keep driving triple flip, flip it around. Like, crawl out and keep running. <laughs> right. I think Tom Cruise did that in uh, one of the more recent Mission Impossible. Where it was in the desert, and then he crashes, and then he runs and gets on a motorcycle. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. Uh, I, I can't believe that yeah. we are at That's cross purposes on this movie. That's okay. Best pictures for me so far this year. Wow. On the back end of my top ten, it might bear repeated viewing for me. I mean, the first time I saw Goodfellas, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great, you know. And maybe I see it again; it'll change my mind. Uh, we need to move on to Thanksgiving. We need to wrap up. Okay, we, we don't have time for Thanksgiving. Well, listen, everybody, happy Thanksgiving! Yeah. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving! <laughs> Enjoy your green bean casserole. <laughs> yes, uh, this, this this will be nice for their nice hour. And then you just hit on a loop, and then you could play it again. Yeah. Okay, because you can't get enough of this. A, a, a podcast that bears repeated viewing and listening to. Uh, really quickly, Spirit of the Week, JVL, you brought it in. From, well, but this is from Stephen. And this is from Stephen from Philippi. Stephen Philippi. This is a Captain Morgan 1671. It is delicious and sweet. I had some of it at your party on the rocks. I'm drinking it here neat. And it is something to be enjoyed and savored. A, Sonny, an what did rum. you say about it? You said it. Well, you opened it up and you poured it. And I said, it smells like college. That's, <laughs> that, that's a good thing. Uh, okay, uh, that is all the time we're giving to this episode then. Questions, comments, complaints, compliments. Tweet us at Victorino Mattis, Sunny Bunch. Uh, at JV Last. Again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play. Just type in Substandard under Podcasts. We're there. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Until next time. So, any any, any outtakes? Thanksgiving any thoughts? thoughts? Out. Oh, so you're you're here, Sonny. You're not traveling. Yeah, we'll we'll be here. Victorino, you are traveling. I am traveling, and uh, I'll be up in New Jersey. My uh, my niece uh, is insisting that every guest at Thanksgiving take part in a talent show. Oh, yeah. So do things. <laughs> this is why I don't go places. Yeah. You do, you know, playing piano, singing, jug, whatever it is you're juggling, whatever it is you're. I'm going to do push-ups. I'm going to say I can do more push-ups than anybody in this uh, in this house, which is pretty easy. I think unless maybe my sister can beat me to it, and that that's my talent will be push-ups. That's all I got right now.
But you play the piano and I sing. do, I you do, do but somebody else is going to do piano. I don't want to have to do that. There's as, nothing as you well. can't do, Victor. I was going to try to do box invention of Affet's true, but I can't get it together. So how many push-ups can you do? If I if I just said drop and start okay, doing push-ups. Okay, on the spot maybe you, 50. In a row. In a row, I think. 50 maybe. push-ups. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, depends. That is. It depends. That's a lot of, a lot of push-ups. Yeah, that's good. It's fine. 